Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight, I'm here with... Akosia Ofenwa Opoku. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. Ghana, Ghana Police Service acts tough as its personnel arrests popular pastor Isaac Ousu Bempa and succeed in getting the circuit court to remand him for another eight days in court or in custody, I beg your pardon. Also coming up, government sued over failure to complete senior high school projects commenced by the Mahama government, that's the popular E-Block project. And later on Eyewitness News, residents of Western Accra go thirsty as Ghana Water Company Limited closes taps in that area. We'll find what the alternatives would be for them. Stay with 97.3 CTF of more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... President Okufu Addo charges lawyers to fulfill their tax obligations or face the rigors of the law. Also, the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, calls for the immediate continuation of operations of the Committee on Foreign Retail Trade. That's in some 50 minutes with Anita Kisi Mriku. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations across the globe on citynewsroom.com. It's an interactive show, so you can join us on WhatsApp. It's 0549-986-996, 0549-986-996. Send tweets as well using the hashtag citynewsroom. Tweet at me, that is at Umaru Sanda, or at city973, and the world will hear what you think of the big stories of the night. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with what happened or what started as a verbal um, altercation which resulted in a physical altercation and landed someone very important, very huge in the courts today. It has to do with Reverend Isaac Ousu Bempa. He and uh, four others were arrested yesterday at Odoko where his church is after police say they attacked their personnel and some persons were injured. Today they were arraigned and the court, presided over by Efia Usua Apia, said uh, that the gentleman and the other four persons should go into custody. Ni Ama Ama, a City News reporter who was in the court, and uh, he's joined me in the studio this evening to bring us up to speed on what exactly transpired. Ni, you welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, around what time were these persons brought, and when they were brought, what was the demeanor like? Very well. So this was around 11.20 a.m. Now, as journalists, we had all stationed ourselves outside the court um, house, which is the circuit court in Accra. That's, that's on the same premises with the Supreme Court. Now, around uh, 11.20, that's where we realized that um, Reverend Usu Bempa had arrived in, um, in a vehicle, not a police vehicle. But even before that, there was a police vehicle that actually 
had some suspects on board. So when the suspects got down, and as usual journalists that we are, we try to capture the shots of um, th these accused persons making their way into the courthouse. Now, at the time, there were other people around, like um, plain clothed gentlemen whom we thought were just around to observe what was going on. And so... And this is what the cameramen are even saying after the incident that these people were just standing next to them. Immediately, um, Ousmane's vehicle arrived and he got out of the of the vehicle. Just these men just became Sprang something else, covering people's um, camera lenses. Seriously, yes. Our, our cameraman, um, Kamau, had his viewfinder on his camera shut, so for a few um seconds there was nothing that was recording and th this this action of walking from the vehicle into the courtroom give or take about 10 seconds so every second counts, counts. And, and these people were doing it with so much confidence insulting using words that i can't repeat here but basically telling the journalists that they should not film they cannot film why are we trying to um paint the pasta and in the bad light we are not supposed to be here we're not meant to be here who asked us to come here and it, it, it really be, became messy so they were there initially you thought they were just part of the onlookers until yes. they sprang into action when he emerged yes um, because that's what the, these commandmen were saying let's listen to some of the things they said to you these uh, and and we are told they are church members or supporters of church of, members of, 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 the, of the reverend um minister let's listen to some of the things they said church members very unhappy oh ma what's it there what's it there what's it there okay so there you have it our church members livid and angry very very angry Ma, relax 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 So, church members very angry, making insulting gestures, insulting gestures towards the journalist. Wow, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable scenes here at the Accra Circuit Court. Church members are angry and livid. Attacking journalists, insulting journalists, and threatening to destroy property of uh, journalists. So that's City News is Bobier um, Osei there in the court, and he was there with uh, Niamama producing him for City Newsroom. So Ni, um, he, he explained there because he's, she was shooting for TV, lots of the things he's saying. And if you watch City Newsroom at 8 p.m., you see a lot of the exactly. footage. And even if you watch um, 2020, uh, you should be seeing that in just about 30 minutes or so from mm -hmm. now. Now, these people, how many were they, the people who were there attacking journalists? So the sound that you heard was from after the proceedings. Before the proceeding, many of these people had not come, especially the women. It was the people that caused all of the havoc in the morning were about less than 10, but they were men, um, tall, a little built, and they, 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 they disrupted the, the filming in the morning. But in the afternoon after the proceedings, I mean, there were about 50, 60, many of them women, young men, plus the people that had caused the havoc earlier. Mm -hmm. But now they were very, very uh, um, empowered and emboldened. Aggressive even too. 
angrier. And mind you, these same people were standing around, not in the number that we saw mm-hmm. when everything ended, but they were standing around looking very cool, as if they, they had no business in the court. They were just walking around. And immediately the, the proceeding ended and we realized that the, um, Obusu Bempa and the rest of the accused persons were coming out. They just turned something else, pouring water, uh, um, shutting down um, the commandments camera and this time many of them wanted to get um, aggressive and 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 abusive with the journalists so if you watch the videos they would come to you why why are you filming poke you push you jostle you just trying to get you off off your balance and get you to stop filming were they uniformed no, these are all clothed men. So uh, um, plain, plain, plain clothed um, men and but women. But you could tell that they were from the church or yes, they belonged yes. to the church. And, and from their utterances, they, they, you hear them say, our pastor, our prophet, why are you uh, um, um, trying to put the spotlight on this man of God? But what did the police do or say about about this? Unfortunately, uh, it was radio silence on the part of the police. Because How, were there many? Were the police enough to deal with this matter? Mm-hmm. Considering that this is a popular... Uh, pastor, they would have deployed heavily, haven't, didn't they? Well, at the beginning, when um, the accused persons came, we saw about five police officers in, mm. in uniform. Then, the incident happened downstairs. And But as journalists as we are, we continue to the f- front of the courtroom mm-hmm. where the proceeding was going on. And there, there were three police of, um Security personnel, let me put it that way, because they were plain clothes. However, they had guns. Okay, so them. that would be the CID, mostly. Yes. They, they do, they're not wearing uniform. They're not wearing uniform. But they, okay, but they had the vests. Yeah, they had the so vests. So that, that maybe they're, that would be the CID. Yes, and, okay. and the, the gun was um, hanging on, 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 on them. But it was at that point where the journalists, especially the ones among us that had the ID card from the judicial service to um, report on court issues, told them that, well, we want to enter. This is our ID card. We report from court. And the people said no. These security personnel said no. And at that point, too, the men who had jostled us downstairs were standing next to the security personnel, shouting on top of their voices that journalists are not supposed to be allowed in and all of that. And the police just stood there, or the security personnel just stood there and agreed with these men who had heckled us downstairs and said that, well, indeed, we can't go inside. So but but let, let, let's be clear. So the courts have their own police people that protect the premise. This wouldn't be them, right? These this are the people who came who with came the suspects. with the accused persons. Okay. Let's listen to what the journalists who were covering the proceedings had to say because obviously they would not be happy. They are saying that journalists can't cover proceedings in court. Which has Well, I'm a court reporter. I report for the Ghanaian Times. And I'm shocked that police officers are preventing journalists from covering proceedings involving a pastor. What is that? What is that? That they will not allow us to cover proceedings simply because we are journalists. But they, are allowed, they have allowed church members. Church members. They are more important than us. And also Bempa is more important, is more important than President Akufadu. Is that what they are telling us? This is not right. I've done court reporting for more than four years now. It seems almost all cases in various courts have been there. But I was surprised to see police officers and church members preventing journalists from entering the courtroom, especially with the police officers. I was really, really, really surprised. 
the whole issue started when immediately three of the uh, junior pastors came in. Immediately, Owusu Bempa got down. Everybody was bad from taking photos, taking video. I was, I was surprised. To the extent of a police officer guarding gun, standing in front of a main gate, telling us nobody should enter the courtroom. That was when I confronted them to ask them, why are you preventing us? And the only thing is, no journalist should enter the courtroom. And that was all. I showed them my ID card. A colleague of mine from Ghanaian Times also did the same thing. And they have no right to actually do that? Not at all. Not at all. Because there was no order from the court. There was no order from the judicial service telling them they shouldn't allow journalists inside. But from their own will. Because I don't know in court if because it's Owusu Bempa. But I'm not all that surprised because in Namwan's case, the same thing happened. The same thing happened. So people are asking, is it that the police officers are now shielding people in high positions as Ousu Bempa? I mean, uh, they walked out and we found others I mean, pushing you, some trying to snatch your phone, saying that they would destroy Somebody even cursed me, telling me that China Nebano and Chubewu to that extent. Wow. Because I am taking videos of Ousu Bempa Doing your work. coming to court. But I'm not perturbed by this because. I mean, this is where I always bath and come to work. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the, 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 the authorities are watching this and will put in place measures to prevent some, some of these sins being repeated on Monday when he, he comes back to court. Mubia, you see the challenge here, being a court reporter, is authorities does not take control over such issues. The, it always happens. When even you call the judicial secretary to tell or to report issues like this to him, the only thing they will tell you is, we will be working on it. And to know we've been trained several years ago with ID cards, but you can enter a courtroom and a judge will tell you, I don't want any journalist in my court, so move out. Yes. So I will, I will never be surprised if this case ends here and nothing happens to it. You heard journalists, they're very unhappy that they were not allowed to cover proceedings when Reverend Isaac Osubempa was brought before the circuit court in Accra today. Uh, over that case, he's been um, well. He's, he's been brought because he and uh, four others, according to the police, assaulted uh, personnel of the Ghana Police Service, and they were arraigned today. Niamama uh, was in court for us, and he's uh, telling us what happened in the courtroom. Let's talk about the arrival itself. Um, usually, when police are bringing suspects or accused persons. They either bundle them in a in a vehicle, maybe in a group. They just handcuff them and they form a queue and walk into the courtroom. Usually, with this plain clothes, CID officers and so on. Um, how were these people brought today? Well, when it comes to um, the man at the center of all of this, Reverend Obusu Bempa, when he he arrived in um, a private vehicle, a saloon car. And Dri driven by his person or the police? Driven by, at that, at that point, there was so much pandemonium, okay. you couldn't see who exactly was mm -hmm. um, driving. However, on the back seat, uh, a security personnel, just like the plain clothed ones with the, the, bulletproof. With, with the bulletproof, mm -hmm. got out of the back seat, the right side, and he, Reverend Ousu Bempa, got out from the left side. Okay. And But he wasn't handcuffed, looked very cool, um, unperturbed, and marched in. But before, so that, he was not in cuffs. He wasn't in cuffs. But he came alone in that car with the police. With the police, yes, and okay. um, someone driving because he came from the back seat. Okay. So, that was clear. so they driving. they walked into the court. They they walked into. But a few seconds before that car arrived, there was a police pickup truck that had um, four people on 
in the bucket, okay, you, the, the, back. the pickup the pickup trucks that has the seats in the middle. Yeah, in the middle. Okay. Yeah. So these two, so these four people were handcuffed, two f- for one handcuff. So uh, a, a set of two making for who had just arrived before Reverend Osu Bempa also did, and they were marched quickly to the courtroom. Then the rest um, of the matter ensued, and everybody just went haywire. In the courtroom, were you able to enter the courtroom? Unfortunately not. So you could not tell us what happened, how they pleaded, but of course um, we have reported based on what other... Um, we, you were not the only journalist we sent to that place, so you you cannot tell us what the demeanor was in the courtroom, what the interactions were, because you are not allowed to enter Indeed. the courtroom. Indeed. You can only report from outside. Yes, but um, there was there were two journalists that found their way inside. The first one, the as he walked through, he the people were or these security personnel personnel that were trying to stop us were so engrossed and engaged in in everything that was going on so he managed to go through and then there was a second um, gentleman also who he reports for um, Star News who also managed to get um, inside about 15-20 minutes into the proceedings the gentleman from Star was walked out to the corridor of, of the court with security personnel and some other church members, these same um, church members who had caused so much havoc outside. They hounded him out they, of the courtroom. They hounded him out. And so everybody was inflamed and like, what, what were they trying to do with him? When we asked them, they said he was trying to take a picture in, in the courtroom as the proceedings was going on. And everybody was so surprised because and this gentleman has reported from court for many years. So and he knows, so every, he knows the procedure. Yes, everybody knew that it wasn't possible that he would try and take a picture whilst the court's proceedings were, were going did, on. Did he say anything to you guys outside? Yeah, when so, he came? So, yeah, so he spoke to us afterwards and said that the men that had hounded us downstairs were basically on his neck as he sat through the court proceedings and they raised an alarm that he was trying to do something with his phone and that's how come the people came and um, and brought him out checked his phone when they realized that there was nothing on it then they went back inside usually when join court proceedings you'll be able to type even the story that you are on your phone on your phone mm-hmm. however this time when everything was said and done and he came out and his other colleague that i was inside with him came out they they all had to write on the paper because they said they you're not allowed to use use their their phone because their claim was that they were using it to record or take pictures and that wasn't right so they've been taken back yes to to custody yes because they they will reappear um on monday monday thank you so much niamama of the city newsroom uh, was in court for us we have an interview with gary nimaku that will be playing for you gary nimaku is lawyer for uh, reverend osu bempa but before then breaking news coming through here in the city newsroom Coach Siki Akono, you know him. He has a national team as the Black Stars coach. He has been fired. We'll be back to tell you more. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios here at Adabraka in Accra. The big story tonight, Reverend Isaac Osu Bempa. You know him, a very popular pastor uh, who is actually the head pastor of the glorious word power ministries international he was arrested by police yesterday put before court today and the court remanded him till next monday when he reappears so he's currently in custody he and four others and they were arrested for allegedly well according to the police they assaulted some of their officers that's what we've been bringing you tonight we'll be having an interview that we'll be sharing with you shortly but before then the breaking news story is our coach ck akono has been fired. Fentio Tahiru Fentio is head of sports here at CTFM and City TV. Fentio, tell us more, please. 
Yeah, so the GFA uh, has released a statement just about 15 minutes ago uh, saying that the head coach of the national team, C.K. Akono, has been sacked together with his assistants, and his assistants would be David Duncan, uh, obviously, who, and then Patrick Graveras, who was brought in only a few months ago to assist him as a second assistant. And the decision was taken after an executive committee meeting. The GFA say that they had initiated a technical committee uh investigation into the Black Stars' performance in the last two matches of the World Cup qualifiers, uh, i.e. the game against Ethiopia and the game against South Africa. He won one and he lost the other one. Um, what also the big news is that the GFA say they've put together a three-man committee that will be led by the Vice President, Mark Addo, uh, and then Randy Abe will also be a member of that committee, and then the Upper East uh, Regional FA Chairman, Mr. Salif Uzida. The three of them have been tasked to find a new head coach and assistant coaches in the next 72 hours. Three days. So they have exactly three days to find new coaches for the national team. So that will be by Thursday? By Thursday, we should have a new national team coach and assistant. Are you serious? And this is crucial because the next qualifying matches are in three weeks. On October 6th, Ghana will play Zimbabwe in a two-legged affair. One here in uh, in, Accra. in Accra or Kumasi or Cape Coast or wherever, and the other one three days later, just like the way we played uh, against Ethiopia and mm -hmm. South Africa, mm -hmm. or within three days. Mm -hmm. So there is really no time uh, for 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 this team. Uh, to try and get a replacement. But Siki Akono's uh, future is done. He signed a two-year contract when he took over in December 2019, where in September he's just about three months into, uh, the end of the contract. into the end of his contract, and it's been terminated. You have to also point out, what we don't know for sure, though, is that uh, he was owed uh, salary areas to the tune of, uh, I think, in an accumulation of about seven-month salary areas. Mm -hmm. Now, the statement does not mention whether or not he's been paid that uh, those areas as of now, but we know that he's on a monthly salary of $25,000. US So if uh, for nothing at all, that is a lot of money that is owed him and his assistant. And whether this termination would also even include paying him the rest of the remainder of his contract. Uh, so nothing has been said about the financial details of this particular termination. What we just know is the footballing aspect. Siki Akono is no longer the head coach of the Black Stars. And he's been fired because of incompetence. That is exactly what the statement said. It said they, they've considered the Black Stars' performance in the last two matches and they have been deemed not good enough. And so they've decided that he needs to make way. Tell us how poor the Black Stars were over the past few matches. I and maybe even before the qualifiers. Yes, uh, Sikia, Since he took over. What yes, Sikia Akona has been in charge of the Black Stars for 10 matches. In those 10 matches, he's won four. Uh, he's drawn two. He's lost the other four. So, so, he, so it means he's won four, which is four out of 10. Yes. So that's, that's 40%. Four. Basically, 40% victory. Yes, that's not good enough you're for not a Black Stars team. You don't consider the draw. In football, you don't consider the draw as important <laughs> as... No, it is not. You and mostly because you have to look at the quality of the opposition that Tiki Akono played against. Right? The four victories that he's recorded, three of those wins have come with themes that are ranked 120 or below. Like who? Like Qatar. Uh-oh. Like Ethiopia. Okay. Like Satomi and Principe. Those are the ones he defeated. Those And then Sudan. And lost so, against who? So he's lost against Mali. 
He's lost against South Africa. He's lost against Morocco. So these are teams that are considered big weights on the African continent. So when it comes to serious countries, he loses. He loses. When it comes to the children, he... Basically. And, and, and the Black Stars have conceded eight goals in the process. They've scored 11 goals uh, as well. But those 11 goals, again, have come against weaker opposition. When they've met bigger teams like Mali, they didn't score. Mm -hmm. Morocco, they didn't score. Cote d'Ivoire, they didn't score. They met South Africa uh, twice. They scored once. Didn't score in the other one. They didn't score against Sudan away from home, even though they beat them 2-0 at home here, here in Cape Coast. So the results have been mixed. But apart from the results, what has really concerned a lot of people has been the performance of the Black Stars. In the past, people have, I'm, I'm sure you have experienced that kind of situation where the Black Stars have lost the game and people have taken pride in the fact that the team played well. Mm -hmm. You go back to 2006 is a good example. Ghana lost 3-0 to Brazil, but people took pride in the fact that, oh, we even played better yeah, than the Brazilians. But we've gone past that stage. Exactly. And now even the quality of the performance hasn't been deemed good enough. The team doesn't appear to have a structure. There's no system. And they can't seem to even string basic passes together. But is it, is it, just is it to blame? Okay. Do we have, you know, players that we could harvest that he did not harvest into the team? Absolutely. I think uh, uh, on Friday on Sports Panorama, we did a very good analysis of the player pool that the Black Stars has at the moment. That he's not, that, he's not tapping into. Yes, that he's not tapped into. And that's one of the biggest problems that the, uh, that's been attributed to him. That the quality of the call-ups that he's had ever since he came into office has not been great. You look at the number of, uh, you know, Kone, since he came, he's made 162 different call-ups to the national team. 27 of those players have been locally based. Foreign-based players have been 37. And he's called 69 different players in six different times. He's made six different call-ups, and he's called 67 different players in that process. Now, the reason this is problematic is because when CKFS took the job, he said that he was working with a pool of 40 players and that he was going to rotate his call-ups around these 40 players. Mm -hmm. But in six call-ups, he's already exceeded that number, and he's called up 67 different players. So everybody is saying that he doesn't seem to be focused. And if you look at every single squad that he's called up, there's always very obvious names in there that are either missing or uh, those that are in uh, the squad that you wonder why they are in there for example and so people say that the the the, the squads were being influenced the gfa president has said uh on radio that he does participate in the call-out process and that in itself is another issue so you ask the question about whether it is totally or all of it is ck Akono's fault and quite clearly it isn't but he's a head coach so he takes the ultimate blame which is always what happens mm. but you know and if we're analyzing from ck's point of view you can understand where uh, he's being at fault because the team hasn't played well and we have seen the quality what quality coaching has done to teams and that it doesn't matter even if you have average players if the quality of the coaching is good we have seen quality coaches make the best out of average players but what is his problem experience he has that doesn't he I'm not sure his experience is good enough for national team level. I think, for example, he's coached uh, Kotoko, he's coached Hatsafouk, he's coached Ashanti Gold. These are the three, arguably, the three biggest teams on So that in, qualifies in this, him to graduate in this the country. Masters, doesn't it? Unfortunately, his uh, success rate at those teams hasn't exactly been stellar. He's won one trophy, uh, 
with the normalization cup with Asante Kotoko, and that's about it. He was sacked at Hearts of Oak. Uh, he guided uh, Ashanti Gold out of relegation. He got Dreams FC promoted. So he's been okay. He's done decently mm -hmm. uh, in the places where he's coached before the Black Stars. So you think it was a mistake, Abinicio, to choose him or to settle on him? It's easy to say it was a mistake in hindsight. At the time he was taking the job, it looked like he had the potential and Ghanaians looked like they were ready to give their own an opportunity. Were we simply trying to satisfy the homegrown coach thing? That's why we settled on him instead of going foreign, which is what we used to do until we broke with CIP and did some magic for us? I mean, uh, it has been said that, uh, you know, the, the president was very particular about appointing a Ghanaian coach. So this wasn't just a GFA decision or a technical yeah. decision. Uh, the whole Ghana beyond aid thing, mm -hmm. it's, it's massive. It's important to the president. It's important to believe in the black man, to believe in our own. Mm -hmm. And so after Kwesi Apia, another Ghanaian coach needed to take over. And they saw that in CK Akono, who had shown enough promise, I have to say, like I pointed out, he had been decent in his time at Kotoko, at Ashanti Gold, Dreams FC, what he did there. Heart of Oak didn't go too well. But he had garnered enough experience that showed that he had great potential. And so they looked around in the local field and they decided that he was a man that could do something with the national team. In three days, who and who can we possibly be knocking, uh, whose doors can we be knocking at? It's interesting because at, as it stands now, we have no idea whether uh, the government or uh, who is paying for the national team coach, by the way, is willing uh, to uh, go back on that whole Ghana beyond aid and let's appoint our own coaches thing and allow the, the, the three-man committee to appoint a foreign coach because that in itself is another matter. Whether we go foreign or we stay local. If we are staying local, our options are very limited, I have to say. Mm, do, they, do, do we have a list that we work with? Perhaps. Maybe Didi Dramani, a former Kotoko coach. He was uh, assistant coach at FC Norshaland. Okay. The, the only Ghanaian foreign coach, re, uh, the, only Ghanaian, the low, only local coach to ever get an appointment with a foreign club. Okay. So that was good. He's back home. He's head of football at Right to Dream Academy. Maybe that's uh, an option. People have also mentioned Otto Ado, a former Black Stars player. He's assistant coach now. Now at uh, Dortmund in the Bundesliga. Okay. So there's also an, op an option there. People have even mentioned George Watson, for example. He's also coaching the Aston Villa under 23 team. Uh, so we do have some of these options. Even here, as people have mentioned the Heart of Folk head coach as well, Samuel Buedu. So, uh, so if you want to look local, these are the names that you, you want to mention. Yes, if you want to look local, these are the names that would easily pop up. Do we have uh, I mean, eyes on the continent or even. Okay, aside. Alex Ferguson, who would you want to call up? I mean, for, you see, for the blaster, if you had your way, who would you go for? This is the thing. I, I, I tell you this. One thing is clear, Sander. Affordability. The issue of cost, it's very significant in who we appoint as our national team How coach. much to pay? CK Akona is currently on a 25,000 US dollar contract per month. Okay. Right? 25,000 US dollars. The biggest coaches, the most... Uh, quality coaches around the continent and i'm talking the top 10 ranked teams on the african continent mm -hmm. the people who coach them the least paid of those coaches is something in the region of seventy-five thousand us dollars a month so we have not been willing and serious to pay the highest we have paid a national team coach in ghana is fifty thousand. that was a from grant and we had a salary several months in areas ck akona has paid twenty-five thousand. we have his salary seven months in areas 
Kwesi Apia was sacked in 2019 December after the AFCON. We had his salary several months in arrears. In fact, he granted many interviews. He was basically crying. He said he had a family to feed before we eventually paid wow. the salary. Wow. So this is our history when it comes to paying national team coaches. And Kwesi Apia was taking 35000 If we want a quality coach... We have to be willing to dole out something in the region of 50,000 US dollars. GMPC pays the Black Stars national uh, team's head coach. Are they willing to dole out 50,000 or 60,000 or 70,000 US dollars per month for a coach? Until then, we cannot have a conversation on who we want. So far, our history shows that we are poor people with expensive taste. But unless we are willing to dole out that amount of money, we should we, forget. We should forget. I'll, I'll come back. I have two questions for you. This is uh, 97.3 CTFM Eyewitness News is a program. We are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Uh, the breaking news story uh, is that the um, Ghana Football Association has fired uh, the uh, national uh, head coach or the, the head coach of the Black Stars, CK Akono. Uh, the contract has been terminated. The Association is not particularly happy with his performance over the past few games, uh, 10 games uh, that he, he, he led the Black Stars to play. Uh, we won four, lost four, and drew two. And that doesn't look good for the people who watch that particular uh, space. Let me know what you think. Send me your reaction, 0549986996. That's a WhatsApp number. And uh, you can also tweet using the hashtag City Sports and City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. You can also tweet at City Sports. Let's know what you think. I'm still in studio with uh, Fentio Tahiru. Fentio, who is head of sports here at City FM and City TV. Fent. So, Sanda, yeah, I can just take you to Sigi Akono's record, mm -hmm. the games that he won uh, since he came. So, his first game was against Mali. It was a friendly match that was played in, uh, in Turkey. Uh, Ghana lost that particular game by three goals to nil. His first game? His first game. Sad. Uh, his second game was another friendly that was against Qatar. Ghana won that match by five goals to one. Okay. Now, yeah. Ghana also beat Sudan 2-0. It was an Afghan qualifier. Then in the return leg, Ghana lost 1-0. Then they played South Africa, away in South Africa. That match ended 1-1. And then they came back home and beat Saotomi and Principe 3-1, both matches in Afghan qualifiers. After that, CK played two friendly games. One against Morocco in Morocco. They lost that 1-0. Then another in Cape Coast against Cote d'Ivoire. That ended 0-0. And then, after that, two World Cup qualifying matches. They won 1-0 against Ethiopia and lost 1-0 against South Africa. So, games played total 11, wins 4, draws 2, and he's lost 5 since he took he took charge. Oh, so in terms of percentages, his win rate is 36.36%. That would be an F. It is an F. 45% of the matches he's played have come in defeats. And 18% have ended in draws. This is the record for CK Akono. Doesn't, that, look, doesn't look good. It is abysmal mm. for mm. the head coach uh, of the uh, national team. The Black Stars are a big brand. Obviously, this is a team that was a penalty kick away from a top four nation in the World Cup. So when you look at the performance and against the sort of opposition that they have come against, you begin to question whether C.K. Akona was the man. And this decision, you have to say, was swift and it needed to be taken. It was bold. 
mostly because there's no time. They could have easily sat down and say, oh, but if you sack him, who are you bringing? There's no time. That's actually what I'm going to ask you next, whether we can recover before uh, we go to, into our next game and indeed, oh, that the consequences be on our uh, qualification attempt to be on the world stage. This is eyewitness news. Let me bring some of the reactions. Uh, uh, pure okay. This one says, I bet no, no, let me bring me give me CK Akono uh, messages that are coming through uh, at the bottom there, which are just coming through now. Uh, this one says, CK set himself up for failure when he failed to admit that the FA bosses were tampering with player selection. Now, the people who meddled in his selection have fired him. Thank God Akono uh, has been sacked. He's simply poor, should have been sacked long ago. That's Akrofi sending the message from Aoshi. Pure case of giving a dog a bad name to hang it. SMH, Michael Oseda, who writing that message from Hohoe. Uh, CK sucked is no news, but the entire GFA needs to sit up. We should get a foreign coach. Harry sending that message through from Hacho. Uh, the whole thing is a mere circus, a banana state indeed. That's Otu Abeka uh, writing there. And uh, I, okay, there are more messages on Osu Bempa as well coming through. Uh, let's get some reactions uh, to this particular developing and breaking story. Uh, CK Akono fired uh, his head coach of the Black Stars. Well, he's no more. Jerome Autry um, is a football journalist. He's joined us on the line. Let's speak to him to pick his thoughts. Uh, Jerome, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Fenty Otahiro here con concedes and concludes that um, with hindsight, CK Akono was a bad choice and his performance horrible pathetic uh, to say the least what's your own assessment of the man who's lost his job tonight well i would say it was a bad choice but i knew that this day was going to come and come early it, it, it comes as no surprise to me because uh, of course it's as good as the results he reports and going by what akuno has done in the last few months or let's say the period he has been in charge of the team it was going to happen right, I mean, before we enter the the, the second half of the qualifiers, I mean, the World Cup qualifiers that he will start. It's, it's no surprise to me. But, you see, I think Akuno is only being used, or he's, he's, he's only going to suffer for bad decisions taken by the FA. And, yeah, he, he's a coach. If results are not coming right, has to be sacrificed. But the FA would have to come clear on certain things they have also been doing which resulted in the blasters non-performance. But does he not have the free, I mean, the independence to operate? Don't all Blackstars uh, head coaches have that? Ideally, they should have. I, 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 can, I can say for a fact that some coaches in the past, especially the foreign coaches, had that independence. Akono, I don't think he did. And I don't need to be in the selection room or the offices of the FA to, to, to know whether or not he did. Just by going by what the FA president said somewhere in April this year, that selection will go through processes. I am fully convinced that Akono didn't have the independence to select players of his choice. And we were told that those processes are done everywhere. I, I don't think it is true. There's no point putting the coach in charge of a senior national team and when he makes choices, I mean, when he decides who he thinks to play for the team, those choices will be sub subjected to scrutiny by people who are not coaches. I, I, I don't think it was the right thing to do. And for that reason, Akko did not have the free hand 
to, to really decide on who he thinks to be playing for the team. If this is a tradition at the FA where they would bring in someone who acts as their puppet, then it will be pointless looking for someone hurriedly with the, with the mindset that we are going to go anywhere because if they will not allow the person the free will to operate, Clearly, no matter who they bring, uh, nothing will be happening. We'll still be seeing a repetition of C.K. Akonod. You reckon we should bring someone who is, what, a maverick of a sort? Can we even get a maverick to operate the black we stars? We don't, we don't need a maverick. We just need a coach who knows the job. And yeah, but if you, but if you know, that, okay. And who tells you that you brought me here for a job? And that's the job I'm going to do. If it doesn't go well, you fire me. If it goes well, you give me the praises. Why do you, why do you think why do you think CK couldn't say this? Um, what were they holding, or, or what on him were they holding, that he could not, you know, freely operate and say to them, "I dare you to let me work." Unfortunately, I think CK belongs to the the that that clique of of people running football, and I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad click. I'm just saying that it's a group of people running football. CK used to be part of that group. And I didn't see how he was going to assert himself or get that independence to make decisions for himself because he's someone who belongs to them. I mean, he's worked with them before. He's been with them before. It, 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 was, very, it was going to be very difficult for CK to, to, to really have that freedom to do what he wants to do. And I'm saying that we, we don't need to be in their, in their process to know what was going on there because the FA president made it clear that it wasn't going to happen again that one person, and here he was referring to the coach, one person will be making decisions as to who plays for the national team. And I have said that at that point, we needed to tell the FA president that that was a recipe for chaos. And that is what we have seen. I mean, we've called up players with the black stars, and you and I can tell that these are not players who deserve to be, who deserve to be in the team. Recently, one of the players was even talking about how he was shocked to hear that he's been invited for the black stars. Going by his own analysis of his performance in the season, he didn't think he was. I mean, that opportunity handed to him to play for the black stars was deserving, and that, for me. It's a summary of how we keep selection to the Senate National Team. So it's okay, CK has been fired, but whoever is coming must be that type of a coach who can put his feet down and say, this is the direction I believe, going by my professional expertise, this is the direction I think the team must go. If we will not get a coach with that mindset, we are going to come back to this position again. And let's not forget, we are playing six matches in the group stage of the qualifiers. And I'm talking about the World Cup qualifiers. We've already played two. There are two more matches we will play. And some have said that if we do not do well, specifically win those two matches, we should forget about going to the World Cup. And from the look of things, at the time when our players are not even the best on the continent, even at their clubs, they are not really good players that you can count on. If we don't get a coach who can really work with the seemingly low-quality players we have, we are going to face difficulties. And that difficulty we'll be facing will be compounded by the, 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 the lack of independence that coach will, will have. And that's why some of us believe that the FA must, must 
must come clear. I mean, it's not their job. That's why you're hiring the coach. Put him there, let him do the job freely. If it doesn't go well, all of us succeed. Okay. But if you detect, if you show or tell him what to do and it doesn't go well and you are still going to sacrifice him for, I mean, silver, then what are we doing? Maybe it would be easy for the three-man squad to deliver a coach in three days. But would it be possible for the new coach to acclimatize, I mean, the new coach and his assistant to acclimatize and possibly understand our players and get us ready for a win in the next game? Where football is now, it's very, it will be very easy to get someone who will know what to do even if Black Stars are playing on Friday. I'm telling you. Do you have anybody in mind you would wish has given the job? Well, well, nobody comes to mind immediately for me, but this is, this is what I, I believe in. If we have so much money to spend as much as $25 million on a World Cup campaign, on an AFCON campaign, which we want to win, if we so much believe that we have what it takes to make it to the final four of the World Cup, I don't see why we shouldn't break the bank to get a better coach. What we are doing, <laughs> we, are, we are dreaming of a World Cup semi-final appearance, but we want to pay as low as $25,000 for a coach. It won't work, and let's be real. It, it, it's not going to happen. Should we, we go... Mm. We we to, to get what we want. Outside. Okay. Should we pay more? Uh, should we go abroad or look within? I don't know what we're going to find if we look within. I'll be, I'll be very surprised if we find anything worthy within who will have. No, what I meant, what I meant by look within, I mean, should we go local or foreign? I will stick my neck out and say we should go foreign. Thank you so much <laughs> for, for speaking to us. Uh, that's Jerome Motri. He's a football uh, journalist. We are still getting uh, more reactions to the breaking news story that is coming through. Uh, that the head coach of the Black Stars has been fired. That is C.K. Akono. Uh, Fentio Tahiri Fentio is still in studio with me. Fentio, uh, I think I should just ask you the question I asked Jerome there. And I'm saying that three days may be... Um, well, too short a time, but there's a possibility that a three-man team would be able to get us a coach in three days. But would that coach be able to deal with the Blacksters and give us a win in three weeks? I think, yeah, it's possible. Um, but I, I, I feel that right now what the GFA might be looking at is someone in a stopgap capacity uh, because I think uh, they definitely want to put someone temporarily in charge to see how they qualifies uh, and then uh, after that we'll try and look at permanent options because at the moment I'm not sure there are too many quality coaches mm. out there that are available. I'll come back to you. John Penso was, I mean, introduced John Penso to my Yes, listeners. John Penso is a former Ghana national uh, team player, played at the World Cup in 2006 and 2010. He's now a coach at Legon Cities, uh, himself, of course, a former teammate of CK Akono. John, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Your reaction hearing that CK has been fired? Um, it's quite strange, uh, quite strange. I'm not one of the people who upset when the coaches are fired or the coaches' contract is terminated and all. Um, quite unfortunate that every coach will speak the same way I'm, I'm saying now. That is not a nice feeling. Uh, when it happens to a coach, uh, it's like uh, all of us. And um, what can I say? A bit, a bit, uh, a bit down about that. 
but this is the nature of a coaching job. Uh, you get a good start. I mean, sometimes you get a bad start, but uh, that is what football can also teach some of some of us. We couldn't even uh, football experiences are not going well, but uh, I would say that uh, it's rather unfortunate. It's not the right moment at all because I think you deserve more time to to get the team. Um, when you look at his statistics since he came, what he have done, to tell you that uh, he came at the wrong time while the COVID and you know, not getting the players to come them for a period of time before. So for me, I think uh, it's it, it a bit disappointing. That's all I want to say. All right, uh, but people are referring to his records, and despite the issue of short stay, they still believe that the performance was poor, 34% uh, or so um, of, of wins in the uh, 11 games that he has led the Black Stars into. Um, you reckon that's a terrible performance, or you think that with time he would have done better? Or oh, with time he would have done better, because um, uh, we all know what PK can do, his experience. And then not forgetting that when you are coaching national team, the senior national team, most of the players are coming from uh, outside. Uh, not uh, We don't have even 80 or 90% local players, but they all coming from outside. Some players who come with injuries and all. And then on top of that, he don't have time for the players to be together for maybe two weeks or three weeks. It, it's difficult. It's difficult. We don't have a team that has played together. Like, I'll use our generation as example. Our generation, we're together, so it doesn't matter what team this one is playing or what team that one is playing. But CK's own is a different level that you don't have uh, the place or a team that has played together for a very long time that they can understand themselves like we used to do. So I think they would have given a daytime, with time, things would have been better. There are people... Recent qualifier we are playing, we know South Africa is on top of the law, but that, will, that doesn't change anything that Ghana will qualify. Ghana was still going to qualify. Because 2006, South Africa was ahead of us, and we came and overtook them. So, I think for me, I'm not, I don't, I always uh, get upset when coaches get tired. You are a coach yourself. Now, forget the results that we see. The performance of the Black Stars itself. So the persons he calls to come and play, that's one from the pool that he has, to the performance on the pitch itself. Um, you believe that that is a team worth celebrating? Yeah, I think, I think uh, they didn't do bad at all. At the end of the day, they were producing. They qualified the nation to the Cup of Nations. They qualified the country. The country is in, in the uh, after Cup of Nations that is coming soon. And then the World Cup qualified. They won their first match. They lost away. So when you look at all these statistics, I don't think he deserved that. That's what I can say. Because they, when you talk about performance, when it comes to qualification games, sometimes it's not the beauty of the game that you're looking for. You are looking for results. And when I say we are looking for results, they qualified the African Cup of Nations. The World Cup qualified, we are on second and one point different. 
So I don't think there's uh, something that was going to stop him from qualifying the country to the next uh, World Cup. There is a view that CK was actually just the ceremonial head of the Black Stars and that the running of the, of the Black Stars was being done by the FA. Is that something you know as a matter of fact as well or perhaps you have heard? And do you think that approach is what brought CK down? Do you think he could have fought by deciding to say, you gave me the job, allow me to work? Um, but now, uh, for me, I know CK is a professional. Uh, he was a big-time professional footballer. He's been in Europe. I know how these things work. So there's no way I would accept that... Uh, they will give me the job and at the same time they will take for him. I will, I will say no to that. Because as a coach, once you take the job, you know your responsibility. If you do the good job, everybody will come to you. But if the job don't go well, it's only you that is going. That's why we say coaches will go, players will stay. So I'm not going to accept the fact that people will say the FA or whoever influenced him in his own decision. Because I believe he's an experienced coach. And there's no way you accept such uh, comments. Okay, let me ask you two last questions. The f first one I'm going to ask you, just use one word. Foreign or local, the next coach? <laughs> you don't mind where the continent, where, where the person uh, comes from? No, 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 I don't have a problem with that. Once the coach who is coming can deal with the system of the national team, that, that's not a problem if... if if we have a technical director and a general director engage the coaches and then check the CVs and who qualify to take the nation, the nation or the national team, it's fine. Once a coach is always a coach. Is John Penso inst interested in this job? I'm not there yet, but when <laughs> is my time to, to do, I'll do it. Very well. Wish you all the best and thank you as well for speaking to us tonight. Thank you very much. John Penso there uh, was playing with the Black Stars, a, f a playmate of Siki Akono. Uh, giving us his uh, his own view on this particular subject, the firing of CK Akono. Fenty, we have to go. Yes. What um, should we look out for uh, in the next appointment? In the next three days, what should be happening? Competence, 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 and I think that uh, you know the quality of uh, quality coaching is really underrated. Um, but you can't run away from it. That is what it takes for the top teams to win. And no matter what we do, we must appoint a competent coach. But more importantly, someone that is strong enough to resist the politics of Ghana football. Because Siki Akono alone was not, is not the only problem affecting the Black Stars' performance. The people at the helm, at the top, the GFA, all of them need to drop all the extraneous issues and focus on one thing, the Black Stars. Thank you. Thank you, Tari. Thank you, Head of Sports here at CTFM and CDTV. Eyewitness News is live on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sandamad here with Akosia of Fewaopoku. When we come back, Anita Kisimreku brings us the latest in the world of business. And then we come your way with Point Blank. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Anita Kisimoku. Let's settle for the details. 
President Okufo-Addo has charged members of the legal fraternity to honor their tax obligations or face the rigors of the law. This comes barely a month after the Ghana Revenue Authority disclosed that over 60,000 business professionals have been evading tax per an exercise conducted. Speaking at the Ghana Bar Conference in the Upper East Regional Capital, Balgatanga President Okufo-Addo said that the over 60,000 professionals who are not paying taxes will soon be directly dealt with by the Ghana Revenue Authority. Mr. Outgoing President of the Bar, I'm, I'm afraid there's no easy way of putting this. You will have to start from getting members of the Bar to pay their taxes. The record of lawyers in paying taxes has been historically poor. It is unfortunate, but a most unpleasant fact that members of the professions in our country have not been known to set a good example when it comes to paying taxes. They appear to think that being members of the learned professions put them above complying with everyday civic duties, like paying taxes. It is embarrassing. The lawyers are often at the top of the list of those who flout our tax laws and use their expertise to avoid paying taxes. The Ghana Revenue Authority has told a disturbing story about what it discovered earlier this year when it started working with the Registrar General's Department and the National Identification Authority. It found that there are some 60,000 professionals working in the country who are totally outside the purview of the tax authorities. These professionals are lawyers. They are accountants. They are doctors, they are engineers, they are surveyors, they are architects. In other words, they are part of the creme de la creme of Ghanaian society, and they do not pay taxes. They will soon be receiving friendly phone calls from the tax authority. I sincerely hope that those involved would move swiftly to regularize their tax affairs before the GRA moves to crack the whip. President Okufo-Addo speaking there. Moving on, the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, is calling on the Committee on Foreign Retail Trade to urgently resume the closing down of shops belonging to recalcitrant foreigners. This follows a recent fallout from the committee's meeting, which Guta blames on the non-cooperation of their Nigerian counterparts. The government had earlier prevailed on Guta to exercise restraint as the two sister states tried to find a lasting solution to the long-standing issue of invasion of the markets by foreign retail traders. The leadership of the Nigerian traders were asked to provide data of their membership and other relevant documentation on their businesses to enable the committee to discuss the issue and make an informed decision. According to a press release from the local traders association, the leadership of their counterparts failed to do so despite asking for more time in the previous meeting. But in speaking to City Business News President of the Nigeria Union of Traders Association Ghana, Chuku Emeke Inaji denied the claims arguing that the meeting rather ended in a stalemate. Um, and that meeting, uh, term of reference was issued a document and kind of title terms of reference. And a, a framework was also captured in that paper. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you are aware that the government of Ghana is excellent 
president and uh, the Ghana government gave us concession and the concession they gave is in a line uh, with a COAS protocol which says that we should trade among ourselves. So the issue of one million dollars cash equity uh, evidence was raised and the issue of $5,000 that is for registration at the stamp duty was also removed. So it now gives us opportunity to go to register our business and continue. So when they brought the framework, they did not include this conception that we are giving to us. Rather, what they, what they put there is that any time our shops or stores rent is five, we should pack up. And we should do rent. Nobody should rent another shop to us. So for me, I realize that these two things cannot go together. The concession is not in the framework. President of the Nigeria Union of Traders Association, Ghana, Chuku Emeka Enaji. The Ghana Real Estate Developers Association, Greta, is calling on governments to take the lead in the use of local materials for construction in Ghana. This, according to the association, will boost the confidence of the public in local building materials. There is more on this report. In the wake of high cost of rent in Ghana and the ever-growing housing deficit, the cost of building materials has remained on the ascendancy. This is blamed mainly on the cost of importing building materials. Experts say the solution lies in the adoption of local building materials, but that may not come easily. Patrick Abobonful is the president of the Ghana Real Estate Developers Association, Greda. I have been a strong advocate for use of local materials as an alternative in an area where you don't have control over the producers of cement and um, to be frank with you uh, they, they import clinker they import a number of things which are influenced by the dollar so when it comes to price increments and stuff like that it's very difficult for them in a quest to find local solutions to the rising building cost, a local recycling company, Nelplast Ghana Limited, has been producing building blocks from plastic waste and is able to develop a chamber and hall self-contained at the cost of 60,000 Ghana cities. But the company has yet to receive any support from the government. The Deputy Minister for Works and Housing and MP for Binduri, Honorable Abdullah Abanga, in a City Business News interview, said the government is finding ways of supporting the venture. That is one example of using local materials or innovative uh, materials. It is something that uh, our minister is very much interested, the government is very much interested, and we are trying to find a way of encouraging him and also promoting it, because if you can get a lot more people to, to begin to use those materials. We believe the economics of skills will come in there so that the unit cost of those raw materials will come down and then we can have decent houses and, and more houses for our people. Greda President Patrick Ebobonful says it behoves the government to take the lead in the adoption of local building materials in Ghana. To lead the way, I think. Um, Ghanaians usually will buy into something that they see government uh, you know, using. So maybe government can start by giving certain contracts and specifically saying use local building materials. President of the Ghana Real Estate Developers Association, Patrick Ebo Bonfo, ending that report by Benjamin Aklama.
That's all for City Business News and Eyewitness News. It was sponsored by Vodafone. Together we can and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Anita Kisimiku. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. It's 18 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank, the President Nanarudan Kwakufado has been speaking in the Upper East Region at the Bar Conference. I'll be sharing with you what he's been telling Ghanaian lawyers and other professionals. But before then, if you live in Western Accra, chances are that this morning you didn't take your bath. If you did, you used pure water, I mean sachet water. And that's because Ghana Water Company decided to close the taps there. We're told it's because of maintenance work. Let's understand from the CEO of the Ghana Water Company Limited what exactly the plan is. Dr. Clifford Bremer is the CEO of Ghana Water Company. He joins us on the line. Doc, you're welcome to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. What's the problem in Western Accra? Uh, thank you very much. Before then, I, I, we had informed uh, our church customers that we're going to shut the plant starting from today and expected that people were going to store water to use when we shut. And so uh, the expectation is that at least for today, people would have bathed or they would have stored water at least yesterday to be able to uh, continue. The problem is you are running uh, a system that you want to be efficient all the time. You want to be able to deliver on your mandate. And uh, some of the equipment must be changed as they get old. If you don't change them, if you don't take the risk and do them, then you have bigger problems that will last longer. And so just to get the system up to the speed that we want, we just needed to change some filters. We, we should have done that earlier, but uh, because of the time that we're going to charge, it's better we do most of the things that we needed to do and then uh, get this over so we can have a better system to, to supply the people of uh, the worst part of Accra. All right. Now, tell us about the duration. How long is this exercise of yours going to last for? Uh, we said that by the 17th, we should be done with the maintenance work. 17th? So that's in, yes. um, what, four days from now? Yes. yes. What exactly are you doing? Uh, there are some valves that are very old. If you see the pictures uh, of what they have removed, wonder uh, whether they were doing our work for us. There, was, uh, there are some control panels that we they control our power 
we have to change them. Then there are also meters, because as we push water into the system, we normally say we lose this amount of water. Uh, and the numbers right because the meters are very old. So we need to be able to get correct numbers so that we'll be able to tell on the record evidence that this is the volumes of water that we are losing through leakages and RRTs. It's sort of uh, probably producing 10 and thinking that we are producing 12 because the system has grown old. So we are changing some bulk meters across all our production centers across the country with patient meters to be able to tell how much water we are producing. In the past, when you, you close the taps, you usually would supply people using the water tank system. Is that something you'll be deploying? Or because yeah, of... but if you look at the notice, all those things are captured. Which communities again make up Western Accra? And these are people yeah. who benefit from the yeah. wager treatment plant, yeah. correct? Yeah. From the Kasua area, Damsuman, we have the Kolebu Teaching Hospital as well as one of your customers. Uh, considering that yes. it's a critical place, what uh, measures have you put in place to deal with the uh, shortage of water there? I said facilities will provide uh, regular tankers. And they also have a very big reservoir, so I'm sure they have space uh, stored enough. But anytime they have challenges, they have contacts to our car, uh, West people. And they supply them with uh, regular services. Very well. Uh, we'll be back to you in the next four days to see if you're, you're done with your work. And we hope that you can open the tap for people uh, to utilize it. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you very much, sir. That's Dr. Clifford Bremer. He's CEO of the Ghana Water Company Limited. We can now go to the Upper East Regional Capital, Bolga. <laughs> where President Nanado Dankwa Kufado, a lawyer, has been speaking with lawyers at the Bar Conference. Let's hear what he's been telling them. Chief Justice, eminent clergy, member of the Council of State, Upper East Regional Minister, President of the Echoat Court of Justice, Attorney General, Ministers and Deputy Ministers of State, Justice of the, justices of the Supreme Court and other justices of the Superior Court of Judicature, judges, members of the Judicial Council, Judicial Secretary, President and members of the Bar Council, President of the Upper East Regional Bar, members of the Ghana Bar Association, President of the Upper East Regional House of Chiefs, Chana Pugh, Dikundina, Adiali, Ayajitam III, and other traditional rulers, fellow Ghanaians, ladies and gentlemen. It is always a great pleasure to be amongst a gathering of fellow lawyers. And once again, I thank the Bar Council most heartily for the invitation to be part of this year's Bar Conference. I want to record also my appreciation to the Council for making me a member in permanent good standing, i.e. one who does not have to pay dues. It is an enviable status, one which I cherish. My memories of Bar Council's Bar Conferences past are full of the struggles and joys
that marked my years of practice and involvement in politics. Never a dull moment, I suppose, will best describe those days. There was always something that we had up our sleeves. We felt we had to be true to the pioneers of the profession in Ghana, who were nationalists and did not limit the work or, or influence of the lawyer to the narrow interpretation of the practice of the law. They saw law as an integral part of all human existence. Some of the most exciting moments of my life have played out during bar conferences. It is from this perspective that I speak and say that the theme you have chosen for this year's conference, ensuring an increase in revenue mobilization through taxation for the purpose of accelerated national development, the role of the lawyer, must surely be one of the bravest that has been taken. Reading your letter of invitation and the theme of the conference brought a warm feeling to my heart, for it showed that this generation of lawyers is as nationalistic in outlook as any of the earlier generations were. I believe there's a saying, and if there's not, there should be, that you can only fight the battles that you meet. The early lawyers were confronted with colonialism and went with enthusiasm into the battle for the fight for national freedom and independence. When we had governance issues, the latter lawyers took up the fight for personal freedoms, human rights, and civic liberties. Bar conferences became concerned with constitutional rule, freedom of the press, independence of the judiciary, and other matters that were of paramount concern and interest to the citizens who wanted to live under a governance structure that was insulated from authoritarian rule, whether of the one-party, union government, or military variety. The bar joined wholeheartedly in the search of the people for democratic governance, where power emanates from the open decision of the ballot box, not from the coercive force of the gun secretly undertaken behind the backs of the people. Next year will mark the 30th anniversary of the historic choice made by the Ghanaian people on 28th April 1992, when in the referendum of that day, they expressed overwhelmingly by a 92.6% margin their commitment to democratic governance under a constitution that guarantees the full enjoyment of fundamental human rights and civic liberties. The decision has ushered our nation into the longest uninterrupted period of stable constitutional democratic governance in her history which is experienced under the Fourth Republic, three peaceful transfers of power through the ballot box on three separate occasions. The anti-democrats, who are always looking for occasions to snare at democratic governance, should also bear the following data in mind. The 1970s and 1980s, the periods of unbridled authoritarian rule on the continent, 
were the eras of economic decline, worsening poverty, collapsing infrastructure, and insecurity on our continent. GDP per capita in 1970, for example, according to the World Bank, stood at $220. The third wave of democratization on the continent, beginning in the 1990s, saw GDP per capita rise substantially to $605 in United States dollars in 1995, declined marginally to $547 in the year 2000, and in 2017, increased to 1,550 United States dollars. In Ghana, it was $398 in 1990, declined to $258 in 2000, and it is now 2,223 United States dollars. Another key index of human development, life expectancy at birth, was estimated by the World Bank at 45 years in 1970 in sub-Saharan Africa. By 1990, this had increased to 50 years, and in 2019, life expectancy at birth on the continent was 61 years. In Ghana, it was 49 years in 1970 and 64 years in 2019. According to data from the World Bank, gross primary school enrollment in sub-Saharan Africa in 1970 stood at 54% and had increased to 98.9% .9 in 2019. It was 64% for us in Ghana, and by 2019 was 105%. The implementation of the free senior high school policy has brought 1.2 million Ghanaian children into the education ecosystem, the highest number of students in secondary school in Ghana's history, 400,000 of whom would otherwise have been excluded. The National Health Insurance Scheme is operating more adequately and is enjoying the confidence of the increasing number of its users, with the number of active members up from 10.6 million in 2016 to 12.3 million at the end of 2019. The goal in sight is to attain universal health coverage for all. Clearly, democracy has been beneficial for the continent and for our country. We know, however, that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, and vigilant we shall be here in Ghana. We shall not let our guard down and allow the clammy embrace of the people by anti-democrats who are disdainful and incapable of effective popular mobilization through accepted channels, but who want shortcuts to power without the express support of the people. Today, there is no question but that the most important thing on most people's minds is the need for accelerated national development to improve living standards and generate jobs for the mass of the people, especially the youth. On that question, we are all agreed. However, not everyone is ready to take the next step to the recognition 
that accelerated national development can best take place with a dynamic increase, with a dramatic increase in revenue mobilization. And very few will then take the next further step to accept that revenue mobilization will happen principally through taxation. In our society, we have unfortunately not yet reached the stage of universal acceptance of taxation as a matter of public good. Fellow members of the bar, it is most reassuring that you have chosen to place the lawyer right in the middle of the process for revenue mobilization. Taxation is not popular and was the Achilles heel of all colonial powers throughout history. I hasten to add that it is not only a Ghanaian phenomenon for people to be unenthusiastic about playing, paying taxes. As Benjamin Franklin, one of America's founding fathers, put it in one of his famous quotes, taxes are not something that people look forward to. He put it in the same bracket as death. With your indulgence, let me state the full quotation because I believe the situation Benjamin Franklin faced and described in 1789, a decade or so after the inauguration of the American Republic, is not very different from ours. He said, and I quote, our new constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes, unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, our constitution also now promises permanency, having lasted despite various challenges for 29 years. Death has not changed its certainty. It will come when it will. The only thing we have not done is to make taxes regular, predictable parts of our lives. It is time to make the payment of taxes a certainty in our society. Our tax to, our tax to GDP ratio of 14.3% compares unfavorably with our peers the world over. The average tax to GDP ratio in West Africa stands at 18%. And indeed, the recommended ratio for West Africa ECOWAS, for ECOWAS member states is at least 20%. The average for OECD countries is 34%. It is thus no wonder that American, German, French, Japanese, and British peoples, amongst others, can readily find the means to fund their own development, particularly their infrastructural development, whereas we are constantly struggling to do the same. The president of the land telling our sad story there. Well, that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sandamado. Production by Sixtus Don Ulo and Anas Seidu. Technical support from Okla Danso. The show will be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Do stay tuned into 97.3 CTFM. Good night.
City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.